0: everyone and welcome back to the open mic podcast my name is caroline i'm a junior at columbia university and i'm so excited to be hosting this series where we'll be talking about school and life and everything in between each episode will feature a new topic and a different guest and today i'm so excited to be introducing my good friend emily wang emily thank you so much for being here with me today
1: thanks so much for having me caroline so excited to be here Um, So just a little bit about me. My name is Emily. I'm a junior at Brown University, studying economics, and I'm also in the program in liberal medical education.
0: Just before this, Emily was telling me a little bit about what's going on in her life since we haven't seen each other in over four years, right, because we met at the Stony Brook biotechnology camp that was after ninth grade or after eighth grade. After ninth grade? That sounds about right. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and we're already in our third year in college and almost in our fourth year. So it's kind of super crazy fast. And so Emily is gracious enough to come on our podcast today to talk about her experiences at Brown, generally as a student and also like specifically in the Pliny program. So if you want to give a quick like intro as to why you chose Brown and what Brown's curriculum is like?
1: Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I guess talking about choosing colleges, I should probably start with the whole application process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am from Long Island, New York, same as Caroline and i um, at least in my school district, we weren't, we, we didn't have a lot of people who applied to traditional um, seven or eight-year medical programs. Uh, so the combined undergrad and the med school. Um, and you know, it was kind of a daunting experience for me because I'd come in with the stigma that applying to all of these programs um, it was nearly impossible to get into. Everyone who has sort of just wasted their time and regretted applying to those colleges and to those programs, um, but ultimately, I had this interest in the medical field for the longest time now, and, you know, I, I'm a very give it all you got or, or else you're going to regret not doing something kind of person, so I ended up just applying to a handful of med programs, um, three to be exact, and, you know, it was actually a really big surprise that I got into the Pleamy program. Um, you ask any pleamy, they'll tell you that they were surprised <laughs> to be admitted to the program as well. But um, ultimately, you know, I'd heard from so many of my upperclassmen friends that, you know, the whole pre-med lifestyle is extremely rigorous and, you know, the added burden of having to take the MCAT, and in addition to all of your um, pre-med uh, pre-reqs and everything like that, it was a really stressful process. And, you know, I decided to go to Brown because um, I had always had these really diverse interests in high school. So like I was very STEM oriented, but always loved my English classes and, you know, tried dabbling in some poetry and creative writing in high school. And, you know, I really thought Brown's program in addition to Brown's open curriculum, um would be the best fit for me.
0: I love that you're interested in so many things and I've heard that Brown because of the open curriculum is really conducive to exploration right because there's no like do you want to explain a little bit about what the open curriculum is because all I know about it is that there's no like set core because I know Columbia is like super hardcore core but then Brown is kind of on the other side of the the scale.
1: Yeah, it's always very interesting um, seeing mid year transfers, especially people who come from Columbia, um, and they compare uh, the o- open curriculum to like your core, like you said. But anyway, the open curriculum um, really encourages educational like exploration, like you said. Um, so we don't have any real core um, curriculum in the sense that you're not mandated to take certain math classes or certain science courses, um, the main sort of restrictions that we do have are that uh, you have to take two writ courses. So those are more writing intensive courses, um, one in your first four semesters and then one in your last four semesters essentially. And then um, each concentration, uh, so at Brown we also call majors concentrations, which is, uh, fun little twist. Um, But each concentration has a certain number of um, course credits that you need to take in that concentration in order to graduate. So for me in economics, I have to take 11 courses, um, which is on the lower scale of um, like course requirement wise in terms of concentrations. And then like on the higher end, you have things like bio- uh, medical, uh, engineering, sorry, BME, which go up to like 20 courses. So it really depends on, um, which concentration you're looking at, but yeah, no real main requirements outside of your concentration, which really allows for you to take a chance with random, you know, like acting courses or dance courses or philosophy courses, which have been amazing.
0: Is that how you decided on economics as your major? Or did you always kind of want to do economics?
1: I think um, a large part of why I wanted to do economics was because of a macro econ course I took in high school. So shout out to Miss Safarian at Wheatley. Um, <laughs> but that course was really just such a fun class, but also made me realize that you know even though there's a lot of jargon in the financial space, A lot of the concepts, when you boil it down, are, I guess, very intuitive to a certain degree, Um, and I was really interested in pursuing more in the field and, you know, kind of demystifying the whole financial jargon, especially from a pre-med point of view.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good to know because econ, I feel like, is very applicable to real life. Like, even if you're not going into economics, like, as your career, knowing, like, basics of economics and basics of finances is really helpful.
1: Yeah, especially if, um, you know, I'm thinking about potentially doing private practice in the future. And so I was just talking to a friend about this the other day, actually, when you boil down the, like, everything behind a private practice, it's essentially a small business. And so having this sort of like business finance background Um, I think will prepare me a little bit more for the future. And I'm excited to see more of like the intersection between econ and medicine.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like private practice is like, I feel like it's a lot of medicine, but it's also management and knowing how to like, exactly like you said, manage your own small business. So outside of economics, your concentration, what about the traditional pre-med experience and also the pleamy specific pre-med experience at Brown?
1: So the Pleamy experience is actually quite unique um, in the sense that you know uh, regular pre-meds they have to take uh, I think two semesters of orgo biochem two semesters of physics and all all of that stuff Um, but when it comes to Pleamy they kind of give us a little bit more freedom in terms of choosing what we want to take Um, so we have to take a semester of orgo and biochem but our two semesters of physics um, are a little bit more open to, you know, physics, but also engineering, which is very cool. Um, and we get to choose what kind of bio courses we want to take. So I've taken actually quite a few bio classes now that I think of it. But I've taken courses in neuro. Um, I was really fascinated with learning and memory at one point, so I took a couple classes there. And then um, this previous semester with uh, COVID and everything, I was really interested in immunology. So I took an immunology course and physiology and um, in a sense, our lives compared to pre- normal pre-meds aren't that different. Um, but you know there are little factors here and there that are added bonuses. Um, and oh, one also a big note, I guess, we don't have to take the MCAT. which is great and amazing and one of actually the main reasons why I chose this program too.
0: Oh, nice. So other med programs don't necessarily get rid of the MCAT requirement, right?
1: Most of the med programs, I'd say you have to reach a sort Mm -hmm. of baseline score Mm -hmm. uh, for the MCAT in order to receive that um, guaranteed admission to that med school. Um, But there are a couple programs that are like CLEME where you don't have to take MCAT.
0: Wow, that's so nice. And like the bio courses that you were saying, like when you were naming them, I'm like, that's kind of like, I was gonna say like rotations in med school, but being able to choose classes outside of intro bio, like neuro specifically or immunology, it's kind of like getting to know the different specialties already. Yeah,
1: and I think it really contributes to the whole, um, you know, Brown encouraging its students to learn more about what they're interested in. Mm. And I, I think it's honestly been such a great um experience being able to learn and grow at Brown and yeah I just have such fun time here learning with amazing professors and students so yeah
0: what have been some of your favorite classes so far
1: um let's see oh that's a that's a hard question (laughs) I feel like the courses that I gravitate towards are ones that you know like I find to be particularly challenging or Um, maybe our class is outside of my comfort zone. Mm. So um, I'd say the learning and memory course that I took was definitely one of my favorites, especially since my memory in particular is very bad. (laughs) So I'm always interested in learning more about, you know, how the brain works in forming those memories and what we can do to improve upon, you know, memory retention and um, recalling memories. Um, but other than that I think a couple of my like my elective courses I took a first year seminar in poetry which I absolutely loved even though it was really daunting because it was a class full of um, like prospective poetry or literary arts concentrators Um, meanwhile there was me (laughs) on and Econ and pre-med, and I was like, I don't quite know how poetry works, but you know, I gave it my all, and the class was super supportive of all my ideas, which I really appreciated, and yeah, I think those are two of my favorite courses so far.
0: I love that you just dove into, was that your first semester too?
1: Um, that was actually my second semester, but still freshman year, and you yeah. know, really scary.
0: <laughs> Is there a GPA requirement for the med program?
1: There isn't, but you know, I think a lot of us are really high achieving students, and we all, you know, have that pressure of being yeah. former premeds, and everyone's very gun ho about you know doing well in classes, especially if it's a class that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's just that added pressure of, you know, doing well for yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think our main grade requirements, are that you have to get at least a B or above in our bio courses. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really nice that we can also take uh, some courses satisfactory or no credit, so S&C, essentially pass-fail. So that also adds to the whole like growth and exploration process. (laughs) I took an acting course also um, that same semester. And I was like, I don't know anything about acting, but I heard this professor was amazing. And she was, and the class was the, my classmates were so supportive of me too. Um, (laughs) And I feel like I just learned a lot about, you know, public speaking, but also learning more about human behavior, which wasn't something I had initially thought of entering that class so yeah i guess one other thing that i really love about brown is because of the open curriculum you're able to find these sort of intersectionalities between fields that you know are more unexpected um, because you go in with such a different background and perspective of uh of everything and then so when you bring that to the new courses you're able to shed new light and um to make these new exciting uh discoveries for yourself.
0: I didn't know you took an acting class. Was, wait, that was your, did you say first year or two?
1: First year or two, yeah. I oh really took, so
0: brave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I really took advantage of the open curriculum my first year and I have yeah. no regrets.
0: That's awesome. I'm just like thinking if I have space in my schedule senior year, if I want to take a, an acting class, I actually don't know. I have to look into that for Columbia. But yeah, that's really cool. I feel like it's, it's also useful for life because you were saying like public speaking and also just like not being so self-conscious all the time is a good skill to have for life.
1: Yeah. And also not being afraid of failure. I feel like mm-hmm. that's one of the other big things I've learned in college, you know, especially when you're entering places that are outside your comfort zone, like failure is right around the corner. So resiliency is something I've learned. And um, I think it's made me a stronger and more, I guess, self conscious person in that mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm.
0: in a good way like self. in a good way yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what about outside of classes what clubs or student organizations have you been a part of
1: yeah so um, I think a lot of my whole exploration in the education sector has carried over to my extracurricular space um, so one of my main uh, extracurriculars is um, a program called the Community Health Advocacy Program. And so that's actually a Plimi specific club that um, I'm currently the president of. And <laughs> super excited because, um, you know, we really work to uh, create longitudinal relationships um, with the Providence community and especially giving, you know, maybe the lower income aspects of Providence the kids there more access to child health education, um, but also we're working to expand our senior care community service outreach components. Um, But aside from that, I'm also in a sorority, uh, DG, which is really exciting. And I'm also part of the Salsa Club at Brown.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness, you sound like you have such a fun life. (laughs) (laughs) I think
1: it's it's definitely been fun, but you know, I've also had, um, it's really interesting because these clubs really connect people from all over Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, So with like the Salsa Club in particular, it's actually also a community facing uh, club as well. So we have community members, but we have Brown students of nearly all walk of life, you know, even med students sometimes, which is very cool. Um, yeah. Oh, that
0: is really cool. Is the med school located right near, like, by the undergraduate campus? It's like a 10, 15-minute walk from the undergrad campus, but it's relatively close by. Oh, so. nice. That's so cool that it's open to, like, every student at Brown, but also non-Brown students or non-Brown, like, associated. Affiliated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly. It's
1: actually one of the few clubs at Brown, I think, that are like that, so.
0: Yeah, how did you decide to join that?
1: It's actually a really funny story. So I guess back in high school, I had participated in like a homestay exchange program um, in Spain with my high school Spanish program. And so I spent, I think it was a week, a week and a half, something like that with um a foster grandmother with a group of friends of mine from high school. And she actually had a grandson who was a salsa instructor. And so he came by one day and he, you know, gave us an impromptu salsa lesson. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And also I haven't, I didn't have any dance experience prior to this. You know, I did like maybe a year of, um, dance when I was four. Um, <laughs> but when it came to um, coming to Brown, it was really fun since uh, we had this um, admitted students day on College Hill, which is called ADOC. And so every year, the Salsa Club hosts um, a late night event for all of the admitted students, where you know you learn the basics of salsa with the current team, and you just get the chance to meet other admitted students. and Um, That was a fun thing that like sort of sparked my interest. And one of my best friends freshman year, she was also sort of interested in, um, you know, exploring fun clubs and, you know, really taking advantage of all of like the diverse atmospheres at Brown. And so I kind of dragged her to one of the salsa open houses. And um, the rest is kind of history. She's my co-president and we're just thriving in the club having so much fun and just excited to share this club with everyone at Brown and in Providence
0: you're also president of co-president of the salsa team
1: I am I am oh my goodness
0: you do so much (laughs) it's such a good way to to make like you were saying if you did it with your best friend and it's nice to have these like extracurriculars or have these clubs where you're hanging out with friends at the same time like it's like best of both worlds I feel exactly exactly
1: it's it's
0: been you know
1: such a great growing process for the both of us um especially since actually she had a little bit of dance experience beforehand so she didn't need to be scared
0: (laughs) you channeled your four-year-old self
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I think like salsa dancing is a very forgiving dance in the sense that you know if you're just feeling the beat feeling the music and if you're like um If you're just like passionate about, you know, being there, being in the moment and sharing a moment, especially like if you're dancing with a partner um, in social dancing or something like that, it's, you know, all about having a good time and, you know, enjoying life to the fullest in that moment, which Mm -hmm. I really appreciate.
0: Definitely. Was your friend, did she happen to, did you guys happen to live in like the same area? Is that how you guys met?
1: Yeah, she was actually um, right down the hall from me. It was really funny because we both shopped our intro to CS course um, and we just so happened to sit a few rows apart from each other. Um, This was still very early on into the semester. And, you know, um, I I sort of just tentatively waved at her, you know, because I recognized her since we lived on the same floor. Um, And then later that night, I was talking to her in our hallway and Um, I just sort of like pulled her into my room and we just like started talking and we like kicked it off on such a great note. And it was literally, she was my first best friend at Brown but also like continues to be like my biggest supporter. And um, like there's this meme of like two dogs sharing a cucumber on like on, on their head. And I'm like, that's you and me, we are, uh, we're always on the same brainwave, and I've been oh. s- so fortunate to have met her at Brown.
0: What is she studying? She's studying
1: computational bi- uh, biology.
0: Oh. So
1: a little different, and I don't think we would have, like, crossed uh, paths if we hadn't oh. lived, you know, in the same floor, which, oh. you know, I'm really grateful for.
0: Are most of the rooms at Brown singles or doubles, or does it, does it like a mix?
1: Yeah, so there are mainly doubles, I want to say. We have a couple of suites, a couple of singles. Um, Actually, we have a whole dorm dedicated to singles. It's called Grad Center. Mm -hmm. Um, But I honestly love having roommates and, you know, I think it's just an added feature to the whole college experience, you know. Um, So I've been with roommates my... Well, I guess not this past year because I've been at home, but (laughs) the other two years at Brown.
0: What about your sorority life experience? How has that been and how was Greek life at Brown?
1: Greek life is very different at Brown than I think what someone would usually associate Greek life at college being like. Um, So I, I think it all just has to do with, you know, the Brown student body and our, atmosphere i think um so where greek life isn't like make or break it at brown you know social life also doesn't revolve around Greek life which i think really helps so in that sense um with sororities in particular i feel like it's just a great place to meet new women and to um yeah meet new women that you normally wouldn't get the chance to meet at brown um so we have a whole bunch of women who are, you know, like student athletes, but then a whole bunch of pre-meds, and um, a lot of women who, you know, are interested in political science, or education, or literary arts, or history, so you really see everyone at um, represented in Greek life, and I feel like with my organization in particular, DG, um, we're the one of the newest uh, sororities on campus, and, you know, that gives us a lot of Um, growth opportunities and also leadership opportunities for all of our members and so I'm actually also VP finance for DG so (laughs) my economics and finance uh, education into more applicable things I'd say
0: Uh, that's so funny I love that connection
1: Yeah, I I totally would not have seen myself in a sorority or leading the finances of a sorority if you were to ask me in in like high school. Uh But it's funny how things have a way of turning out.
0: Did you rush your first year or sophomore year?
1: Yeah, um, I rushed uh, freshman spring. So we do spring recruitment at Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also a fun little fact because... I guess most schools, they do freshman fall. And so you don't really have the chance to acclimate to the school before joining a sorority. So in that sense, I felt like I had a good feeling of myself, but also where I stood in like terms of Brown and like where I wanted to be Mm -hmm. when I got to Brown before I entered the sorority life. So um, I guess that helped to differentiate like normal Brown from sorority Brown, which I thought Mm -hmm. was very helpful.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, that is a cool fun fact. And I guess extending from your experience as VP Finance, what other like finance or econ internships have you been involved in?
1: Yeah, so I was super fortunate to have the opportunity to join um, a local startup called Marstone. It's a fintech company, um, and it was actually founded by a Brown alumna. So it was really awesome getting to work with such a diverse group of people, but also being a part of a woman led uh, business, especially in a male dominated field, I think was incredibly empowering. And um, it was an incredible learning experience for me. Um, I think if you ask anyone who works in a startup, uh, there's such a strong emphasis on small team culture and the sense that, you know, because you're at a startup, you have to be able to work on multiple projects at one time. You have to be able to um, handle projects that, you know, might not be in your wheelhouse, but, you know, everything sort of connects to each other in this nice way. So I did a little bit of marketing, a little bit of competitor analysis, and um, and I was even able uh, to develop my own uh, project with a group of other interns, which was really awesome. And we developed um, like a prototype of a financial literacy game, which was so awesome and um, did a little bit of kind of pseudo coding for that. So Whoa. that was that was fun.
0: Was that from your intro CS class?
1: Um, so funny story, I actually didn't take the intro CS class <laughs> that semester, oh. but I did end up taking it um, I think it was my sophomore fall. Absolutely loved it. I feel like I should be taking some more CS classes, so we'll see what I can work into my senior year schedule.
0: <laughs> wow. Wait, what's the credit limit or what's the class limit for for Brown per semester? Um, so
1: it's also interesting with Brown because we don't have sort of like credit limits. We mainly just to do things on a course by course basis. Mm -hmm. So most people take, um, I'd say roughly four courses. The maximum is five. The minimum, I believe, is two. Um, Actually might be three now that I think about it. But you could take like courses. um, You can audit courses. You can TA for course credit. You can do research for credit. Um, So there are a lot of opportunities to really do what you're interested in.
0: That's cool. You can TA for course credit.
1: Yeah, I think so. You can either TA for credit or TA to get
0: paid. Um, So, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Going back to your FinTech experience, you mentioned that there was like a little bit of coding there. What, like, do you need a CS background to work in a FinTech startup?
1: No, I feel like you definitely do not. So I started um, freshman summer. So after freshman summer, I started with, Um, Marstone And um, I mainly did a lot of research and uh, competitor analysis reports, but also into how the company could grow in terms of um, like add-ons to the company. Um, So for the most part, I did not touch any coding whatsoever for my internship. It was just um, for that summer project. We were really interested in Well, when we saw that there was sort of this gap in the market in terms of financial literacy, but also in the gaming sector, we were like, hmm, can we try to do something to combat that? So we prototyped this game that sort of um, is aligned with the company's whole goal of increasing financial literacy, but helping people to plan, um, you know, their financial life. And so we took those aspects to heart and we prototyped the game, and um, that was the closest we got to uh, actually touching code. But most people, I feel like in fintech, um, don't need coding experience. And there's so many different positions in fintech that you know, um, if you don't have any coding experience, you can always a learn on the job or b help out in a different area.
0: Oh, that's cool! I like how you can learn on the job. I feel like that's I feel like the best way to learn. Like you're actually getting results from something and you're like learning as you go along the way.
1: Yeah, I'm actually a very hands-on learner. So, you know, going back to, you know, high school and biotech, like I love doing research and um, I, I felt a lot of the, at least STEM components of my high school education that were supplemented by all of the miscellaneous research projects I had. But um, I think what really excited me about research though was the whole like innovation aspect of it. So I don't know if it was the same for you, but that that's
0: mm-hmm.
1: my, that's what
0: I loved about research. <laughs> same, I think so. I think like this, like knowing that you are not just like reading out of a textbook, what is like, what to expect? Like this is actually, you're making something, which I think is the same with like coding and with like other other aspects too.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also sort of why I, really liked my intro to cs course because i know um it's called cs15 and at brown and it's a pretty iconic course because it's taught by this professor um his name is andy van dam and he is actually the andy who inspired andy from toy story which is really crazy yeah what yeah, because he teaches, um, I think, a graphics course, and one of his um, students went on to work for, you know, the whole Toy Story uh-huh. in developing the Toy Story uh, franchise.
0: Wait, that's so cool! You know the original Andy.
1: <laughs> I know he is. He, I, I haven't gotten to talk to him like one on one, but he's such an icon, and he's been teaching this course for, I want to say, almost twenty years, if not more. Don't quote me on that, though, but he's been at Brown for so long and was such, uh, you know, instrumental factor in developing the CS program at Brown. Um, So that that was just something that was so cool. And I, I thought that, you know, CS and all of the exploration and in the sense, like CS is also mildly very forgiving in the sense that, you know, you can debug for ages, but as long as you have something at the end, no one really knows about all of like the debugging (laughs) beforehand. Um, So in a sense, it's also very similar to research because you're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what works, what doesn't work, what are, what's the best approach to solving this problem or to creating this product. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been a fun time. Mm
0: -hmm. Did you do, you did research in high school after biotech, right?
1: Yes I did.
0: Was it at a lab nearby, like a local lab on Long Island? Um, So
1: I did some work out of Stony Brook. I actually also went on to do the Garcia program Mm -hmm. also at Stony Brook. Um, So that was actually material science uh, based. But um, in that period of time between biotech and Garcia, I actually worked with, I don't know if you remember Jessica and Bonnie from Biotech. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so we actually worked on developing our project, um, which sort of stemmed from our Biotech project um, all throughout high, high school. And um, we worked with CRISPR gene editing, which was really awesome, in um, coffee beans in particular. Um, so we actually did a lot of that in our own high school lab, even though, you know, we didn't have th- the greatest equipment. Um, it was literally just a normal high school classroom. And we sort of just brewed everything from there.
0: This was in 20, like mid 2010. And that was when CRISPR started like really getting big. So yeah. You- so
1: we were really just riding the CRISPR wave. And um, Mr. visalico who is one of the <laughs> Uh, biotech coordinators. He I think was one of our main um I guess inspirations to do CRISPR research because I remember he brought a CRISPR article to class one day and we were like, wow, we were really interested in the whole um like GMO in the agricultural space. Um, so that led us to our whole coffee bean route. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah would you be interested in kind of going back into the lab anytime in the future?
1: For sure, for sure. I was actually supposed to join a lab, funny enough, right before um, all the colleges shut down last mm. March. Um, but I've been taking on like other volunteering positions and things like that sort of um, in the meantime.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I one of them was, uh, a grassroots uh nonprofit called Get Us PPE, which was actually founded um in response to the COVID pandemic. Um, and so we helped to coordinate like the donation of I think now it's reached past seven million pieces of PPE. Wow. But yeah, it's really crazy. It started off with just us um coordinating the donation between, you know families who had extra gloves, extra masks, and things like that, because at the time there was such a shortage of PPE that, you know, everyone, especially hospitals, they were accepting anything that they could get their hands on, and so we saw that, you know, people normally have these supplies on hand, you know, like gloves, I have a box downstairs, you know, and so if I had that one box, you know, and we could donate it to a local hospital or something like that, um, I think that'd be a better usage of my box of gloves than just sitting out in the garage, you know? Um, so that was an awesome experience that I also took part in.
0: Yeah, thank you guys for doing that. And congrats on the $7 million. That's amazing. Yeah, the
1: organization has really been thriving. And, you know, it also introduced me to a whole bunch of um or the side of like logistics and operations, Mm -hmm. because I really worked from, um, you know, just being a phone banker at the very beginning, because we didn't have any information to work off of, like we had to build our complete database of facilities, what facilities needed and what they lacked. Um, We had to build that entire database from scratch, essentially.
0: That's so inspirational. I feel that's so amazing. When when did that start? And yeah, so the
1: organization just celebrated its one year anniversary, I mm. think last week. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's still very much a need for, you know. PPE, especially in rural areas and um, low-income and underserved uh, populations. We've been really proud of the fact that um, we've been able to serve, um, you know, like tribal communities in particular. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we do a lot of um, donations for um, Native American populations, especially out in the Southwest. And um, I personally worked on getting... Um, a huge shipment of masks and PPE to some rural communities in Alabama and Mississippi, which um, was a really awesome experience because I was also working with one of the former, um, I think, state heads of facilitating health care and working with hospitals in Mississippi. So it, it was really awesome that we were able to connect with so many people um, at different levels of, you know levels of the hierarchy. So, you know, private care, uh, private practice to hospitals, um, working it all the way up to like the state level, which was mm-hmm. really fascinating.
0: Wow. Do do they have a website that I can link in the description?
1: Yeah, um, it's getuspp.org, but I can send that to you later
0: too. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll, I'll put that in, in the box, description box. <laughs> Let's see, going, maybe going back to Brown campus life. What would a typical day in your life Be like when you were back on campus
1: um back on campus so brown's campus is very walker friendly walking biking electric scootering um that's been the hot craze for the last couple of years um but in i'd say like i'd start off you know uh, we have these really awesome like yogurt bowls at one of our dining areas called Blue Room. So I'd start my morning off with something like that, head to a couple of classes um, if it's nice out, which is usually only nice out in, I'd say, early fall and late spring um, because of the Providence weather. But I'd love to spend, you know, a couple hours out on our main green, just chilling with friends and, um, just enjoying the sun while it lasts. (laughs) Because in Providence, it's actually quite rainy and gets cold very fast, Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. But, you know, honestly, I think the rain just adds to the culture. Like I I have this uh, pair of bright yellow rain boots that I always love to wear in the rain. rain. So I'm like, it's a little splash of sunshine um, on these gray rainy days. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, other than that, I think I'd spend bit of my time in the sci which is the sciences library, one of our main libraries, um, that's my home base. And I'd spend time with friends and uh, hit another couple dining halls or maybe one of the food trucks on campus, or um, we have this one main street called Thayer Street, which is the most iconic street at Brown. Um, and it's just filled with restaurants and cafes and stuff like that so yeah I think that that pretty much be a day in the life of a brown student in a nutshell. What was the adjustment to Providence from New York? I think given the fact that um, we're from Long Island Mm -hmm. I was very used to the whole like suburban lifestyle Uh, my high school counselor was actually saying how um, brown is almost like a bigger Wheatley in the sense that (laughs) everyone there is very used to the suburban life. Um, But since we're also really close to New York City back home, um, it's very similar in the sense that, you know, Brown, it's a college on College Hill. That's what we're known as. Mm -hmm. Um, And so right down the hill is the heart of Providence. So it's no longer like a half hour train ride into New York City. It's more like a 15 minute walk down to the heart of Providence which is kind of cute but adjustment wise I feel like weather was the hardest thing to adjust to but even then like wasn't a big deal
0: and what are some fun spots in Providence to hang out at or to eat at
1: Ooh, to eat at I think there are a lot of um really cute cafes at like around Brown's campus but one of my favorite things about the Providence area, though, is the architecture. Mm. Um, so with like Rhode Island being, you know, one of the first states in the colonies, um, or I guess one of the, the colonies in the original <laughs> <First Persian> colonies, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, the city and the state in general are, you know, deeply enriched in history. And, you know, a lot of the houses, they have these like plaques that say oh made by or constructed by so and so in year like I don't know 1870 and I'm like wow um but in terms of like the facades of houses it's really cute because you'd see all these houses that are kind of like in modern-ish pastel colors um so right across the street from um like one of Brown's main campus buildings, there's this beautiful yellow house that I always love looking at. Um, but there are also like a whole bunch of pink houses in Providence and blue houses in Providence. And I feel like the colors are pretty unconventional given the fact that, you know, the houses are like a hundred plus years old. Um, but I, I think it, it's just very very um, cool juxtaposition in that sense. Um, cause it's very unexpected, which I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else from Brown and the Providence community. <laughs> and also one of um, the cool things about Brown is that we're really close to RISD, which is, um, like one of the best art schools in the country.
0: Rhode Island School of Design, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Uh, okay. Okay.
1: Um, And so Brown actually has a dual degree program, sort of like Pleamy, except, you know, uh, RISD and Brown. Uh Um, And there's the RISD Museum, which is also like right down College Hill, which I love taking friends to, because it's very different. It's like a bite-sized museum that sort of encapsulates like... um, i'd say like one of the big museums in new york city you know like if you think of moma if you think of the met um if you combine a couple of those museums but also like take the cool parts of the museum from them and throw them into one museum in providence i think you get the rizzi museum um so yeah that's a cool place to hang out too i think they also um feature some student artwork from time to time which is really cool because like you see someone's exhibition one week, and then you might bump into them at a party at another week.
0: What about the dining halls? Are they also kind of integrated into the residence halls? Or are they separate?
1: So we have a couple of dining halls, two main, uh, actually, sort of three main ones. I'd say two real main ones. We have the Ratty, which is quite literally its own building. It's, I think the largest dining hall at Brown. And so it's uh, open, um, for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner and things like that. But then, um, we also have, um, V-dub, which is in the bottom of one of, uh, the freshman dorms. So it makes it really convenient for anyone who's in that dorm because you mm-hmm. just like come downstairs and you can swipe into the dining hall. Um, but we also have like a couple of other, uh, dining halls. Actually, now that I think about it, most of them are in dorms. So, <laughs> So my freshman year, I lived in um, a dorm called Andrews. And so they call it Hotel Andrews because we have sinks in our dorm rooms, which is actually really nice. and essentially we have this sort of uh, little dining hall that's in the also in the bottom of our dorm that people can just like come down to. So I used to go down like Sunday morning in my pajamas to grab a yogurt bowl or burrito <laughs> bowl or something like that. They try to do cultural foods, you know, from time to time. And I think Andrew's is actually like pretty successful with, uh, they do like theme days. Um, I don't remember which... Sorry, I'm like blanking all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been b- back on campus. So.
1: Yeah, literally. I was just thinking about how um, the other day I was like, oh, this is really bad. I don't remember um, this building's name off the top of my head anymore. <laughs> so I'm excited to go back
0: to Brown. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you guys know if like your fall plans are set yet?
1: Not yet. So Brown actually took a very interesting approach to this last academic year. So um, in the fall, they restricted uh, the classes that could come back. So it was Mm -hmm. juniors, seniors, and I think half of the freshman class um, that were back for the fall. And then for the spring, um, they welcomed more of the uh, sophomore and freshman class. But the kicker is, is that we have this third semester um, that's a summer semester now. So um, it's mainly for the sophomores who didn't come back in the fall and for any freshmen or for all freshmen, I should say. Um, And we usually, you know, are on the semester basis. So this is kind of closer to the trimester, I guess, way of life, except, you know, it's um, an elective trimester sort of situation.
0: Right, I think that's similar to Columbia. We have, usually it's fall and spring, but now there's fall, spring and summer and everything's kind of been a little bit shortened or condensed at least. And then there's also, actually I forgot who was allowed back in the fall because I've just been at home, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see about next year. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like being at home is definitely like, on one hand there, I, I don't know if um, how you felt about being at home, but for me, I felt that like, everyone always asks me about like, oh, do you feel FOMO being at home and things like that? But you know, I feel like with, um, at least at Brown, everything has been very, you know, restricted in the sense that people don't necessarily want, um, you're not encouraged to hang out with people outside of your pod. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, like, especially um, earlier on last year, and In the fall, before like vaccine rollout was really happening, people were very cautious about like who they could see and like what you can do with people that you know you can safely see outside. Um, So, in a sense, I feel like I haven't missed out on that much, but of course, would love to be with my friends back at Brown, but you know, it's only a matter of time.
0: Yeah, I agree. And also I feel like the most important thing right now is to like make sure everyone's safe. So I'm okay with being at home. I think that's like around the same reasoning as you.
1: Yeah. And I've actually been really like appreciating time at home with like family. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandma is such a big, uh, she's like my favorite person on this entire planet. (laughs) Um, So being able to spend this year with her at home, um, it has been awesome. Like we go to uh, local parks on the weekends and when the weather is nice and things like that. And she loves walking. So I'm always just like out and about walking with her. And oh, I love it. it. It's definitely been a very family centric
0: <laughs> year.
1: For sure. My dad's always like, oh, don't go back to Brown. Stay at home for another year. Like, oh, go back. I'm like, yes, I really need to go back. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have uh, commencement still going on this year? I think ours is
0: virtual this year. Okay. Yeah, how about you guys?
1: I think ours is in person, but it's very restricted as to like, um, just members of this graduating class. And I don't know how your commencement worked last year, but there were rumor mills going on once upon a time that they were trying to welcome back, you know, the class of 2020 since they didn't have like a physical graduation, Uh but that can't happen this year, so. Who knows, maybe class of 2022 will have a
0: huge
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow,
0: I can't believe it's a year away, but it seems it seems far, but it seems close at the same time. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it's literally, um,
1: it, it's been a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Like I thought um, starting out, you know, when I knew I was part of the Plea program, program, um, that I was like, oh, I'm gonna be in Providence for eight years it might feel like forever. I don't really know. Time is just a social construct. (laughs) Um, But lo and behold, here we are three years in and I'm like, wow, I only have one year until med school. And then four years later, we'll be done and we'll be real like adults in the world now.
0: That's so crazy. Are you excited
1: for starting med school? I'm so excited. I feel like There's going to be a lot of change in the medical field in the next couple of years, maybe. I'd say in the next decade, I feel like Mm -hmm. it'd be safe to say that medicine is going to change dramatically, especially after the whole, um, after COVID and after the emergence of like telehealth and um, things like that. I think we're gonna see a larger integration between the tech and the medical space, which I think it's about time um but it'll be really interesting to see how that shapes you know our education the next four years and um you know what opportunities are there for us after med school graduation
0: yeah that's so exciting do you have to go through the traditional application like do you have to send an application or is it just automatically you are accepted
1: Yeah, so we still have to submit the application, although I think it's more for formality's sake than anything. Um, But, you know, this program has been so well established for so many years now. And I think um, another thing that I really appreciate about the program is that they encourage you to really find um, or to really learn more about yourself. And if at the end of your four years of undergrad, you feel like medicine is not the place for you, they support you in not going through with the program. And essentially like they'll support you in pursuing, I don't know, if you want to go on to grad school and become like an engineer or get an MBA or something like that. It It's really like nice knowing that you know they won't force you into the program if you don't want to be there especially since i feel like if you force someone to become a doctor and they don't want to become a doctor that's just worse for society because you'll have people who don't want to be treating patients in that position of power which i think is kind of problematic um but yeah it, it's such a supportive atmosphere and um only say great things about the program
0: the best thing is when you when you're a student in there and you can only say good things you know that they're doing a good job yeah yeah
1: and and the advisors are amazing the alumni are so welcome to helping you and um and in giving you insight into like other career paths too which i think is also very helpful Mm -hmm. Um, but for me i think i'll probably be staying in the med program for now
0: (laughs) yeah so what about a favorite Brown tradition that you guys have?
1: Um, so something that happens annually, which is actually kind of funny, it's called the Naked Donut Run. <laughs> um, so it, it historically happens around like reading period, which is like our week before finals. And it's it sort of, I, I don't know how it really started, but um, it's sort of like this sort of stress relief during finals period. So you have people who um, go around in basically underwear, or like, I I don't know. Thankfully, everyone who I've seen on the Naked Donut Run hasn't been like fully naked naked, Um, but they go around handing donuts out to people in the libraries. And it's really funny because you'll have all these like really studious people like doing work. And then all of a sudden um, you'll see people like, participating in the naked donut run and they could literally come up right behind you like tap you on the shoulder you'll turn around and you'll be like what the heck And someone offering you a donut who's like nearly naked um so that that's a fun little thing and also our brown uh band loves to go around during the libraries also i think during the same period and they'll just blast music. Um, You can hear like the drum and the tuba from miles away. Um, Just like going up the staircase into our uh, in our libraries in the Silai it's 14 floors. So um, you can either take the stairs or the elevator. And then so um, you just hear them going around slowly up up the stairs and then down the stairs. And you're like, okay when can I get back to studying? But it's always it's always a fun laugh with friends.
0: I wonder when they have time to study for their finals when they're doing that, when they're running around naked or when they're blasting music. That's kind of funny. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, who's really studying like nine o'clock on a Friday night anyway? So (laughs) it's a much needed and. Usually, a well-deserved break at that point.
0: <laughs> How do you sign up to be a naked donut runner?
1: <laughs> I think it's a club. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you could just reach out to people, um, and we have this uh, anonymous form called "Dear Bluno." Um, mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Bluno. It was an art display of this like uh, cyan-colored bear. Oh. Um, that was actually removed i think the end of last year um because they were saying the providence weather was too harsh on the art so (laughs) but anyway we have this anonymous um facebook page called dear bluno and i've seen a couple of posts where they're like oh how do i join the naked donut run how do i become a naked donut runner and don't worry if you want to join it and you're a brown student Someone will tag the corresponding people and they'll hook you up right away. <laughs> so
0: funny. I think that was a really good note to end off on. And thank you, Emily, for sharing so much of your experiences, not only in PlayMe, but also in like economics and fintech and also campus culture and just traditions like that. It's always fun to end off on a note like that. And we just want to thank the viewers who are watching this right now on YouTube. If you are watching this on YouTube, then make sure to hit the thumbs up and hit that subscribe button and comment down below what you'd like to see next. And if you're listening to this podcast episode on any other podcast streaming platform, then make sure to give it a big thumbs up and follow if you can. And on the podcast, we end always with a high five towards the camera. So we're going to say three, two, one, clap. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Of course. We'll see you guys in another episode. Bye.